Hello, everybody. Good evening. Thank you for being here. Official scorecard with you tonight. Uh, let me put on the thumbnail. Just give me a second. <clears throat> Just a little second. Okay, now everything's all right. So like the title says on the menu tonight, a card from Texas that took place last evening in front of such a large crowd of 73 plus thousand people, which was wonderful. Nice to see the public back. Uh, so, yeah, the main event, uh, Canelo versus Billy Joe Sanders, Soto Takayama, Conway versus Sissoko, as well as uh, as the young prospect, Kishon Davis facing Mesa. But right before diving into the main event, with which we are going to to start this review, let me give shout out to bspace hello bspace bonsoir 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 yeah but before that i just have a bad news an announcement to make uh, i'm very very unfortunate to say this but uh, the brain behind this show corruption in boxing um is going to be forced to to take uh, to go on retirement from boxing from boxing talk being that anybody who knows him knows that he's extremely busy and so even to begin with it's crazy to think that he had time to to you know to to give us the opportunity to to talk with him and to, to listen to him talking about boxing and uh, since the moment I discovered his channel and uh, his appearances on other podcasts, he became my number one boxing channel without any doubt. Uh, the amount of knowledge he's been showcasing on uh, this stream, this podcast, the coup d'etat of boxing, as well as um, pound for pound report and BDA boxing and uh, probably some others uh is 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 really great because he <laughs> i mean and it's not only boxing any topic uh i was able to to spoke speak about with him i mean uh, it's enough to to listen to him for uh, one straight minute to to see that he clearly knows what he's talking about and man he's going to be missed for for sure because not so many people very few people are able to to speak close to to his level whether is whether the boxing topic or any other topic extremely extremely knowledgeable intelligent and perhaps great dude great person so it was my my big pleasure and big honor to to in fact be able to start this um podcast with him because i i i, I just gave you the reasons um i just explained you to to what point i i respect his input 
whatever the, the subject is. Uh, maybe, hopefully, someday, uh, you know, he surprised us and uh, jump in from time to time. I don't know, but he uh, he's telling me he's forced to to to, to retire for from uh, podcasts, boxing talk. So I wish him all the best. Fantastic guy, big up corruption and uh, man. Just letting you know that you're appreciated by me, official, and I'm sure many other people who who had the pleasure to listen to you speaking, man. So big up to you, bro. Best of luck to you and yours. And uh, I, I don't know what to say else, but all the best. All the best, bro. Fantastic guy, corruption in boxing. But it is what it is. And yeah, so hello, Boxing Pigeons. Uh, Shepherd of Sounds, hello as well. Well, uh, yeah, I kind of told him, uh, well, if, if that's the case, if, uh, if he's unable to, to continue with this, I'm going to be streaming, doing the live streams once a week, or perhaps more than that. And um, doing the same thing, just uh, just without him just by myself um boxing pigeon asking do you do lives on the stream yard yeah boxing pigeons is it uh, is, is this pigeon or somebody else <laughs> uh, i think it's pigeon well yeah i do the lives on the uh, stream yard that's exact but anyways yeah thank you everybody for being here with me tonight let's dive straight into the last night card by the way uh please anybody watching this please let me know what were your thoughts your own thoughts on uh, on this whole card or the fights you were able to see now canelo see after saying the things that i'm going to say about him I would say many people are going to be pissed off with me. I mean, uh, because you, any of you already listening to me in corruption, you know pretty well what do we think of him. Uh, but on the other hand, I do think that there, uh, there are some, there is another extreme. So. I will be addressing it as well. Um, for example, I think it was the last night because, and, and yeah, by the way, big excuses for not being able to, to host the show the last night. Uh, there were some changes we were hoping to, to, to do the stream tonight, but uh, I just chose to, to push it back for, uh, for a post-fight post review episode for, uh, for right now. Uh, so sorry for anybody waiting on on us uh, the, the, the last night, but it is what it is. Now Canelo. For uh, anybody living under the rock and uh, following boxing, <laughs> uh, he stopped, I mean, um, Billy Joe Sanders retired after the eighth round after suffering a broken orbital bone. Uh, there is a lot of interesting things that I was able to see in this fight. 
I quickly rewatched it right before the show, right before this episode. Anyways, Billy Joe Saunders, he is what it is. Many people are saying that, uh, like I think the last night, uh, Nordic Warrior, by the way, uh, shout out to him. But, uh, or, or maybe perhaps I'm, uh, I was unable to understand him well because uh, he left a message before the supposed last night streaming saying that uh, it's a fixed fight anyways. So I just wanted to ask him in what sense uh, he was saying that it was a fixed fight. Um, I mean, uh, me myself, I have some, uh, you already know my views on some of his, on Canelo's previous fights, but this fight, Billy Joe came in to, to do his best. It's the other thing that he he's not that good that some people think he he's good. To begin with, when he was at his best weight at at one sixty, he was not an A level fighter even at one sixty, which was his best weight class without any doubt. And uh, you could see the the difference uh, in his boxing in in quality of his boxing the moment he moved up to 168 to this current category. Uh, mainly, you know, his footwork, his feet became slower. He's not moving as easily. So even at his best, he was never an A-level fighter to me. Never, never. So he certainly wasn't an, an A-level fighter in this fight neither. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I guess he, he had a belt. So once Canelo moved up to 168, that was when he finally decided to, to go for, um, for the undisputed at that category. Um, he was doing the complete opposite at 160. But about this fight, look, Canelo, he's, uh, he's very interesting. And uh, I'm going to be doing uh, a full film study episode on his boxing, on his skills, as well as his deficiencies, to show you clearly what I think about him, because there are many misconceptions about what, what uh, official scorecard and corruption in boxing and many others are thinking about him um, because uh, we talked a lot about him but never never did uh, a film study show to give you the examples of what do we mean uh, or, or for what we mean when we talk about him <clears throat> i would say uh, canela has his limitations uh, but at the same time is a smart fighter who who tries to improve in one way or another and so you can be an incredibly skilled fighter which canelo is not in my opinion uh, to me he he has his limitations his his skills are not nowhere near incredible but just the pure combination of uh, sufficient good skills some of course, there are, there are a few things that he, he does extremely well. Uh, 
combined with his uh, toughness, with his chin, and uh, being smart in the ring. Now, is it thanks to his uh, maybe improving ring IQ or his uh, uh, he, his his team, his trainers, or may, maybe both? That's another thing. But yeah, it can, it can take you. Thank you. Uh, take you far, pretty far. So I do think there are many more skilled fighters than him. Maybe not in this very weight class because uh, I do think the current 168 is extremely overrated. But I'm think uh, I'm talking about mm, the current boxers overall. Included the other main, the, um, the other weight divisions. So there are many more, far better skilled fighter than Canelo, but his sufficient skills, plus toughness, plus intelligence, is um, is a nice combination for a uh, which which make make him a very very well rounded fighter. Um, now, yeah, so to, 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 to go back at what um, Nordic Warrior was saying the last night before uh, before the show, before the supposed show, uh, that it was a fixed fight. And I really wanted to ask him, and I don't know if he's uh, listening to the show now or not, but I was curious to ask him in what sense, uh, because in like, like ju just like I said, in my personal opinion, if it means that Billy Joe Saunders himself through the fight. Uh, I don't believe it at all. I don't believe it 1% that uh, Billy Joe uh, through the fight. Now, if anybody wants to, to bring up he um, what he said about the fight when it was signed, there are there are very few uh, a couple of things that I can say about it. First of all, uh, you can you can take it as him be, being honest, meaning that he knew that he never had a punching power to trouble uh, Canelo. If um, if Triple G Golovkin wasn't able to to stop him then uh, Billy Joe be, being honest with himself, he knows that he won't be able to, to hurt him. And he was right about it. Uh, so maybe he knew he was talking at, at, the, at the same time, he was talking about uh, him possibly uh, outboxing Canelo, but still not, not getting the victory. So, so that's, that's where uh, he's, that the talk that uh, sarcastic talk that many people talk about or whatever is coming from but also you may never know i mean i was hated when uh, when people were giving importance to to what anybody saying being a fighter or a trainer or anyone else uh, from uh, from the world of boxing is talking about it, it can be taken in uh, various degrees, uh, can be seen as a, just a trash talk, just some mind games. It can be true. It, 
you can never know for sure. But in my opinion, anyways, it was clear that uh, Billy Joe Sanders in that interview a couple of months ago, a month or two ago, was just uh, being surprisingly honest, uh, knowing that uh, he had no chance to, to get the decision, being that he knew he couldn't stop Canelo. That's that's my opinion. Now, the other thing is that many people, like me myself, we, we saw that we've seen that seasons moving up to 168 and that fight at 175 against Kavalev. He had the, the, the rehydration clothes slapped on his opponents, trying to hide it. Only thanks to probably Kovalev's team who leaked the information uh, just uh, j just the day before the fight at waiting, that we were able to find out uh, find out about it. But let's go to to this fight and the, the way it went. Uh, people were so at least on Twitter today they were. Uh, talking about arguing, perhaps, if this fight was close or not. One camp saying that uh, Canelo was clearly winning it, the other one that it was extremely close. I've watched the fight in total. Uh, I, I wasn't fortunate live, uh, but since waking up, I watched it in total two times. And uh, I wasn't really scoring it, but I thought that uh, Saunders kind of on uh, fifth, sixth, and the seventh round. You can argue that he even won the first round because he, in the first round, from what I remember, he uh, he outscored, out uh, outlanded Canelo, but. Canelo was landing uh, much bigger punches, punches, and uh, he started. Uh, Canelo started very well. I mean, he was very disciplined about going to Billy Joe Sanders's body from the first round, and um, even in the first couple of rounds, those first four rounds, I I was able to see a couple of moments where. Uh, he he visibly hurt uh, Billy Joe Sanders to the body, where um, Billy Joe Sanders was trying to to hide it, to to keep his poker face, but uh, his uh, his reactions, his actual reactions to to those body shots of Canelo, were clearly telling me that he was hurt because he uh, anytime. Canelo landed a great body shot in those first couple of rounds. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders was immediately retreating and uh, covering his body and some other things that, that I was able to see. But anyways, yeah, I mean, no doubt uh, Canelo was landing some huge, uh, huge body shots that Billy Joe Saunders was definitely failing. Um, Now about those mid-rounds, fifth, sixth, seven, I would say that Canelo looked kind of kind of gassed a bit, 
I mean, it's, it's not a surprise. And uh, for whoever is following BDA Boxing Podcast, I was able to jump on the show the, two nights ago, I think, just briefly to, to, to talk a bit about uh, Canelo's, I would not say necessarily improvements, but the changes is in his game, in his boxing scenes, moving out, moving up to 168. And uh, these changes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention them right now. Yeah, so since moving up to 168, if you're watching his uh, his fights clearly, there is something that changed the way he, in the way he is boxing right now, and I'm not talking necessarily about this specific fight from from the last night, but in general. So the moment he moved up to 168. Uh, he started throwing fewer punches, meaning that uh, he may be pressuring his opponents constantly, isn't on back foot uh, as often, but his combos are very short. He's usually throwing one, one or two punches, one, two, or perhaps three punches, three-piece combos. Uh, and he's using much less of upper body movement. In fact, since uh, fighting Kavalev and then uh, fighting at 168, I would say that 90% of his um, his defense is made of his uh, his uh, high guard and catching punches with it. And uh, he's just slightly inching forward, uh, being the one stacking his opponents contrary to what he was doing at the lower weight classes, at uh, light, middleweight, and middleweight. So yeah, he built up his body undoubtedly with, <laughs> with some crazy juices. But um, yeah, we can talk about it anytime you want. But uh, the point here is the changes I'm seeing in his style. Um, so yeah, ninety percent of his offense became his his blocking and his high guard, and uh, also I, I was saying about him pressuring his opponents and inching forward, but also uh, taking a back step to make them to make them miss instead of using too too much upper body movement and. Um, the reason for it is that well we know that he always had had problems with his um, how do you call it with his gas tank it was it was apparent in uh, in his earlier fights from a couple of years ago against Golovkin and even the guys he fought before Golovkin he had trouble with his uh, with his gas tank so that's the reason he he stopped using the upper body movement in order to to preserve as much energy as possible and so um it's it's pretty simple it's it's nothing amazing but it's extremely smart 
and uh, anyways in boxing you don't have to be flashy you have to be smart so i may have i may prefer seeing uh, the upper body movement but in fact i do think that uh, despite uh, despite coming forward at 168 i do think that this style of his to me personally is uh, kind of more more boring because it's more more, more basic but in boxing, most of the times, the, the simplest solutions are the best. Uh, you try to make it as simple as possible and stick to basics. So that's what he's currently doing. Uh, and uh, the reason that he's throwing less punches, short, uh, I mean, and what I mean by that, I mean, perhaps shorter combos, just two-piece combos or even a single punch three at most is also in order to preserve his energy levels uh, if you watch some of his earlier fights uh, i would say he was using uh, more setup punches combined with his upper body movement uh, things like that but right now he's uh, he's more concerned about preserving his gas tank but also at the same time he's fighting guys at 168 who are physically bigger than him uh, a lot of times he usually he's the shorter one at 168 uh, so it means that he wants them to to respect his power and um at the same time he has to preserve his gas tank so what's the, the best way to do it the best way to do it is to to just uh, block punches and uh wing one or two power punches as quickly as possible and then go back to your high guard that way at the same time you're throwing huge bumps at them so you're making them respect your power but at the same time you're uh, conserving your energy level as much as possible and that's a smart thing to do and i cannot wait to to start working on uh, on canelo film study i'm gonna be doing it soon but first i have crawford film study i have uh, oh the, there is a lot of lot lot of fighters many light fly rates super fly rates yeah, a lot of great boxers um so yeah I, I i basically explained you why he fights like that since moving up to 168. now this fight as as i thought was just a bit different meaning that he if you pay attention to this very fight that he just had against Billy Joe Sanders, uh, except from uh, from the opening few rounds, he was not using as much uh, high guard defense as he was doing against the previous opponents. And it's because um, Billy Joe Sanders is not that bigger than him if if bigger at all but also doesn't have a uh, serious punching power and also 
because uh, Billy Joe Saunders was going to box him and move uh, move around a lot. I mean, he was not really doing it a lot, but uh, that's uh, clearly the way Billy Joe Saunders Saunders box. So he needed to use a bit more of his upper body movement, things like that. Uh, so he was not he was not ninety ninety five percent upper body um, high guard defense. He used a bit more of upper body movement in this fight, and I just told you for for which reason he he was doing it. There are a few interesting things that that he showed me tonight. I mean, the last night. Most of them, um, well, what uh, what I was already able to see in his previous fights for years, but there was also one novelty. See what Billy Joe Sanders was trying to do, and he especially had uh, success uh, in those middle rounds before getting stopped in the fifth, sixth, and the seventh round. Uh, it was to, to 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 throw a quick punch and then move past Canelo's lead left foot to get on the outside of that lead left foot. <laughs> my, my brain just froze. I think I forgot what it was about. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So Billy Joe Sanders was using angles and uh, I do think this was this was the first time I was able to see Canelo Canelo's uppercut, right uppercut, the way he was using it. At least it was the first time him using it constantly in this way. And it was to 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 pivot with Billy Joe Sanders and uh, meet him with that right uppercut. It was basically the same thing that uh, that Teofimo Lopez was trying to do against Vasily Lomachenko, and uh, you you remember well very well how many times I spoke about uh, that fight between Teofimo and Loma, and also the second uh, Pacquiao and Bradley fight, where Bradley was able to to catch him with with the right hand while Manny Pacquiao was uh, trying to get past his uh, lead left foot to the blind angle. And um, Bradley threw a straight uh, right hand while pivoting, not aiming it at Pacquiao, but aiming it at the place he was about to to go. Same thing that Teofimo Lopez was trying to do against Loma. Only that he was pivoting and not throwing a straight right, but but an uppercut, a right uppercut to that blind angle, aiming it not at Lomachenko, but at a blind angle that Lomachenko was about to step to. While um, Canelo Alvarez was doing the same thing, and he was doing it very often, constantly. I don't think that uh, that I've seen Canelo using this punch before, uh, at least not constantly. So. In that sense, credit to Canelo for um, for um, how do you say it? Well, trying to constantly add in some new wrinkles. 
and uh, yeah also whenever whenever uh Billy Joe Sanders was trying to go to the blind angle while when he was not able to counter Canelo was at least using the upper body movement while pivoting while pivoting with Sanders so so Sanders would not catch him upstairs from the blind angle so anytime Sanders was stepping to the blind angle and Canelo was pivoting with him but was unable to to throw a punch he was at least using the upper body movement to to make sure that he doesn't get cut from the blind angle uh yeah i saw also jab feints uh i mean i don't want to, to go into too many details but something that something that is very simple but and nothing new when it comes to canelo's boxing that he's constantly using but was still nice was those uh, jab feints and uh, left foot feints to to make Sanders come in so he can lean back and at the same time throw a left hook uh, rear right uppercut. So it's kind of it kind of reminds you of uh, of Floyd's pull counter only that. Um, he doesn't counter with the straight right, but with uh, with the right uppercut, and uh, often throwing a left hook be uh, right before that. Yeah, but Canelo's offense and uh, corruption in boxing was talking about this um, a few episodes ago. He's not very creative of offensive wise, offense wise. Yo, what's up? Precise AK fight film. I'm sure that uh, everybody knows his channel, but if you don't know him, and I doubt, check Precise's film fight channel. Um, yeah, Precise. By the way, I was I was telling people people sorry at the beginning of this episode. Unfortunately, corruption in boxing. Uh, had to retire from uh, from uh, from boxing talks from YouTube etc. Uh, go rewatch the the episode from the beginning. I was I was explaining it, uh, which which is a, a damn shame because you know and we all know how. I mean, he his expertise and analysis, but when it comes not only to boxing, but any other subject you touch with him, uh, are a second to none. And uh, yeah, but not enough time uh, for corruption to to do some more important things. So yeah, very busy guy he has a lot of things to do. So unfortunately. He will be missed on uh, YouTube boxing community for sure. But big up to him and all the best to him. Uh, and in, an incredible, great person. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm very unfortunate to 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 break that news. But yeah. Uh, now, yeah, Canelo. So he's very basic, bro. Uh, when it comes to his offense and setting up his offense, and it's certainly visible nowadays since he moved up to 168. Uh, as I was telling you earlier, at least at the lower weight classes, he was 
being that he was using his upper body movement and more setup punches, more tra traps, I would say. I mean, he's still using traps, uh, but different kind of traps. But but boxing be behind that high guard and uh, just sticking to pure basics uh, made his offense uh, even. Uh, I'm I'm looking for the right word. I'm looking for the right word, uh, but even more limited, more limited than before. And so it was it was clearly visible in this very fight against Billy Joe Sanders, in my opinion. Uh, all things, out of all things that he was doing, you can see a clearer picture of him just stepping in with the right hand of, while he's pushing off with his rear foot, trying to time either Billy Joe Sanders coming in or trying to 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 lead with his own punches. Canelo, while pushing off with his rear foot, would throw a setup left hook upstairs just to 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 make them lean down, you know, to duck to duck beneath that left hook and to prevent them from uh, from stepping to to his left outside of his lead foot. And uh, as he's pushing off that uh, rear uh, rear right uh, rear right foot, he's throwing that setup left hook and throwing that huge either uh, straight right to the body overhand or or the uppercut. And in that sense, he um, the way he's throwing his right hand reminds me a lot of uh, Bektemir Melikuziev, but that's that's a story for another another episode. That's another topic. I mean, yeah, Canelo, he's not, uh, you know, he, he's very subtle. There are some, some things that he does extremely well, but are subtle that I will be breaking down in a film study soon enough, I hope. Uh, very good high guard, very good defense, upper body movement. But this, he's not that that easy to... I mean, first of all, I don't like when people are generalizing, saying, oh, this style is going to beat him or that style is going to beat that fighter. I mean, everything is possible as long as uh, you... Any style can be another style as long as that style is performed better than the other style is performed. You get what I'm saying. It's it's pretty clear. But yeah, you, you can outpoint him, you can outfight him, but just you have to be well-rounded and um, a good thing for Canelo. Uh, beside having all the evident A-side advantages. Uh, he has a good chin that <laughs> it, it makes him nearly impossible to to get stopped or knocked out. Plus, he has uh, the commissions in his pocket. Plus, he's defensively responsible and he sticks to basics. So, Many of us may remember him. 
as a flashy fighter and in some sense he may be that but i would say that when it comes to canelo's flashiness nowadays it's only about his hand speed you know his flashy hand speed because he's not trying to to be cute except for for some upper body movement from time to time like 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 the one that he showed against uh, that he showcased against uh, Danny Jacobs but nowadays <laughs> he he's an extremely basic fighter in a sense that he he sticks to basics so his defense is his high guard and uh, inching forward or backward taking a front step taking half a step back things like that so the minimal movement and uh, the minimal the minimal waste of energy now I, I would even say that the, the reason that that he got tired a bit in those mid rounds in the fifth sixth seventh round was because um, was because uh, he was using more of that upper body movement and uh, things like that because Billy Joe made him work uh, good evening to you too, Apology Man. Big up, bro. And big up to you, Vince Vegas. Yeah, exactly, Vince Vegas. It's about his time precise delivery of power. Yeah, exactly. So so he he may have a very few ways to, to attack you. Uh, and it's almost always with one or one punch or two piece combos. Uh, but yeah, he's looking to time you with them. He he doesn't he doesn't jump in with those uh, left hooks, uh, straight right or overhand right, like a retard. He's doing that trying to to time you. When he judges that, he can catch you with the right hand. But yeah, uh, those those opponents of his they have to to either uh, take it into account and um, adjust to it and on top of that they they also have to be tough enough you know to to take those punches and canelo's pressure so yeah that's that means that's that's exactly what i was trying to say he's he's very basic he 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 uses he uses just a very few ways to attack but he he has the timing down you, you know he he tries to to spring in as quick as possible when he judges the moment is good for him to do so now about um, about the stoppage the way it happened while well, since the seventh round uh it was pretty obvious what uh, what Billy Joe Sanders started doing. Usually, he would step in behind a jab or uh, a lead right hook, and immediately after immediately after throwing the jab or right hook, he would duck down over his uh, rear uh, rear foot. And it was it, in the beginning it was useful to him, but Canelo was able to adjust to it. He 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 clearly saw the pattern of what was happening of what Billy Joe was doing since the seventh round he was doing it almost every single time he threw a punch he he threw that uh, lead jab or lead uh, lead uh, right hook 
he throws it, he leans, he, he ducks and leans over his back foot, and then he tries to get out, pivot out or whatever, or, or even smother Canelo. So that's exactly how Canelo timed him with that right uppercut. Um, he leaned back. He already saw what what uh, Billy Joe Sanders was doing. So Billy Joe Sanders throws a leaping right hook. And uh, Canelo leans back and he already knew what, where uh, Sanders' head is going to finish. And uh, that's how he, he hurt his orbital bone. Um, yeah, so that's it. But okay, guys, so feel free to, to tell me what do you think about the fight? B Space saying Billy Joe wasn't committing to his punches once he felt the quickness and power. Oh, definitely, definitely. Canelo made him gun shy. And I do think that, especially with, with, with this style that he's currently using, not necessarily that he was using it all the time against Billy Joe Sanders, but what he was doing, especially against Smith, Kavalev, and uh, who else was he fighting at 168 beside uh, Billy Joe Sanders? Anyways, um, he's facing his previous couple of fights at 168. That's why he uh, he's defending with his high guard and only throws bombs through op and only opens up to 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 throw a bomb or two and all and then uh, goes back behind that high guard again. Anyways, I don't know how. How do you see this current so-called uh, reign of Canelo Alvarez? But when, it's, when it comes to his opposition, I'm not impressed at all. Now, I'm not saying that it's his fault. Uh, there are just some divisions like that that could have one, one very good or great fighter but surrounded by not so good a position. Uh, hold on. Uh, precise saying, man, you watched this poo poo fight multiple times, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> good point. But the thing is precise. I, I was not watching it because I was enjoying it. Nowadays, what I'm doing, I'm just uh, watching it to figure out uh, what the fighters are doing, their tendencies, etc. Uh, let's say that I'm watching them like a coach would watch them, not for for the entertainment purposes. See, perhaps that's why I, <laughs> that's why I was uh, I was in the bed by. 1.30 in the morning, something like that. Um, I didn't want to stay up to to watch the main event and even the other fights. But yeah, talking about Canelo, let me go to, to his box track. 
Saúl Canelo Álvarez. Yeah, you can say that he's pound for pound king, etc. I don't know. I mean, look, to me, he's definitely a very good, extremely good fighter, if you want. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. In fact, um, extremely well-rounded fighter. But to me, he's overrated. Especially when, when, uh, when it comes to his uh, resume. And the people there, uh, he he's beating. Two skills, two. In some way, I explain you how, how and why. But especially the resume. But I'm not here to to shit on him. Just, just I mean, it's once he's at one sixty eight, and okay, he started telling us that there should be only one champion by, uh, per weight class and that he's going to become the undisputed. But why choosing this weight class to do so? Uh, you was doing the complete opposite thing when you was at 160. And um, yeah, I had, uh, I had the argument with, uh, with D a couple of days ago, but I just told myself uh, it, it's it's useless to 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 have that kind of conversation because because it's difficult to to, to change people's mind minds and uh, I'm I'm not going to try to do so. It's it's pretty useless. People are going to believe what they're going to believe. Now they may, some may be wrong, some some may be right. Maybe I'm wrong and he's right, but I doubt. I, I doubt because I'm extremely consistent with what I'm saying, and I know what I'm seeing. Judging a fight skill-wise, resume-wise, etc. To me. Estrada is still a much better fighter than him, but Canelo is extremely well, very well-rounded fighter. That chin, that defense, <laughs> those judges, <laughs> unbeatable. Uh, no, but yeah, just just a little dig at Canelo. Although, although it's true. It still stays true, but okay. So Dave was telling me that me and people who who are talking like like me about Canelo are never going to be satisfied. I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's Canelo's problem because he allowed it to happen. He allowed a certain official scorecard on his little channel to talk about uh, throwing the belts in the trash when when Canelo was at 160 or at Canelo weight, excuse me, ha have to correct myself. When he was at Canelo weight, he was throwing belts in the trash. But now, today, it's okay to, to, to unify. It's great to unify. There should be only one champion per, uh, per division. Uh, 
and uh, he's going towards being the undisputed champion. I'm sorry, but it's it could only be Canelo's fault. I mean, and it, it didn't happen only once with Golovkin, which which in itself is terrible enough, but also against uh, Billy Joe's, uh, sorry, not Billy Joe Sanders, Sergey Deryamchenko. So I, I can clearly remember uh, Triple G's detractors about Golovkin pulling out that fight, which was, uh, Deryamchenko was his mandatory but uh, that fight was scheduled after after Canelo pulling, uh, not pulling out, but testing positive. So Golovkin didn't have enough of time to to prepare for Derianchenko because uh, Derianchenko was an extremely good fighter at the time until he beat him up, and uh, Derianchenko after. Fighting Triple G isn't the same guy anymore. But yeah, waiting for for Canelo rematch after uh, after Canelo tested positive, Triple G simply opted for a for an easy fight to to stay uh, to stay sharp. So that's why he fought the, the Armenian that he he stopped in the second round. And now we are going to talk about uh, Golovkin and not fighting, not willing to fight any anyone else except Kanelov. Well, technically, it may be it, it may be true, and I'm not saying that I'm satisfied with Golovkin fighting Sheremeta or Steve Rolls, but you have to see when it started happening. What when Canelo is 37, 38 years old. The, I mean, it's 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 the old story. I don't want to 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 go back into it. But look, Canelo. So I'm just trying to explain uh, that people are getting nonsensical with Canelo. That they're of often overpraising him. Oh, but Canelo is great. You're disrespecting him. No, yeah, indeed. You, you, you can even perhaps say uh, that he he's a great fighter in some way. Yeah, I can give it to him. I I can see you know him being a great fighter. But I would say with an overrated resume. I mean, uh, yeah, he fought Golovkin twice, and by judging by by the polls, by the polls that that thousands of people participated in, most of them had uh, Triple G winning both fights, me, myself included. And, uh, but if you want to cry so much about, uh, you know, the second fight, the rematch, which in my opinion was a clear eight to four, eight to four type of fight, in Triple G's favor, if you want to go by, 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 by the official scores, which is pretty much dishonest to me, all I can have, all I have to say is uh, 
well, yeah, okay, so, okay, you want me to, to give him credit for beating Golovkin officially? Okay, I given him credit for beating 36, 37 years old Golovkin past his prime. See, but people don't like to take it into account. They are only taking into account the things that I like about Canelo, but not the things that they dis, uh, that are true about him. But um, you, you get what I'm saying. They are they are completely ignoring the things that Canelo should be accused of. They're just ignoring it. It doesn't exist to them. I'm sorry. It's it. it it, it can only be Canelo's fault that I can never say Canelo beat a prime Triple G. Because in my personal opinion, he haven't beat Triple G once even when past his prime. You get me. Uh, apology man saying, didn't, uh, didn't decriticize Canelo for not fighting all the champions at middleweight. What was the issue official? Mm, I don't know about the what he was saying about uh, Canelo's fight at 160. Maybe, maybe he was, but I cannot remember. But I, I just brought uh, I just brought up D Jefferson because uh, I was speaking to him uh, a few days ago about about Canelo. Uh, in my opinion, he was bigging up Canelo way too much, way too much. Um, Nordic warrior, he's here. Yo, God bless. God bless to you. Nordic, by the way, um, if you don't mind explaining me just uh, what you wrote the, the last the last evening uh, when I was about to, to start the show that I had to, to reschedule for tonight. Uh, when you were saying Nordic, when you were saying it was a fixed fight, uh, do you think, uh, do you talk about uh, Billy Joe Sanders being on it or not? Because, like I, like I said earlier, I don't believe at all that Billy Joe Sanders was was on the fix if it was any. But at the same time, uh, all the rules are fixed, tilted in um, Canelo's favor. Yeah, another thing. Yeah, so Canelo is so great. He he's a short, small guy, stocky guy, but still small, short beating up all these huge 168-pounders, 175-pounders. Yeah, but uh, he's giving them the rehydration clauses. That he's trying to keep secret at the same time. So I'm sorry, but Canelo is the only one to blame for... Uh, for me not giving him the credit that the, the deluded Canelo fans want me to give. You get me? But anyways, enough, enough with that fight. Canelo did as expected. Now he wants to fight uh, Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant, his first fight. Uh, First time I saw Caleb Plant, it was against Uskategi, and uh, I was bored to to watch the whole fight. I only saw a minute in total. 
a minute of that fight in total, I think. If if even one million, if even one whole minute. Skategi. The first thing I said on Discord or on YouTube, I think it was on BDA Discord. I said, this guy's defense is non-existent. His defense is pure shit. It's garbage. He uses his footwork for, for his defense. And it's so, so open up for counters. I mean, I've seen that against uh, the, the German guy can't remember his name. Uh, Fagenboots. Fagenboots. <laughs> Only that Fagenboots was not able to to use it to his advantage because Fagenboots is a limited European level fighter, if even a, if even a European level fighter. Canelo is going to spark him up. I mean, I don't know. It's not like I'm. I want Canelo to to move up to to heavyweight division in order to to see him get beaten. No, sometimes you you just. It is what it is because sometimes you can be a very good or perhaps a great fighter and be in a division that that is poor. So it may be the case with him at 168. But at the same time, I hate on bigging up him moving up to 168 because in fucking 2013, he was waiting 173, 74, 175 in the ring. It was people eight years ago, eight years ago. So it means that he was just draining himself and draining the fuck out of his opponents, but he was able to <laughs> precise Floyd has some nice fagging boots. <laughs> uh, he has some some nice fagging hairstyle as well. <laughs> I mean, Floyd, what, what a joke. But yeah, where was I? Yeah, him moving up through eight classes. Look, it's just all the shit he was doing before. Before moving up to 168, he was draining himself. And he had clenbuterol, had the other things to, to you know, to replenish himself, to, to stay healthier than his opponents. While testing you know well being tested less than his opponents or perhaps uh, not even tested in fact one of the reasons that just like floyd he's giving people offering them the fight three four weeks before uh, before the date before the fight date is to be able to cycle because that's how he got caught with clenbuterol because uh, he he wasn't aware that 
that Sanchez, Golovkin's coach back in the day, he asked uh, for, for the testing to start, uh, I think, 10 or 12 weeks before the fight instead the usual eight weeks before the fight because eight weeks is usually the time when uh, the official training camps as well as the testing starts that's what they usually put into in, in the contracts so just like floyd uh he doesn't only send uh, send the contract to his opponents three or four weeks before the fight just to to be better prepared than uh, than them and uh, leaving them no time to prepare for the fight against him but also to to juice the fuck out of himself as much as possible and not get cut so the things he was doing at one 54 155 the canelo weight 160 he was doing it you know draining himself and his opponents and being the size bully being able to to rehydrate more than them i mean 2013 back then he was uh, stepping in the ring uh, heavier than golovkin Plus, right now at 168, slapping down the rehydration clauses of his opponents. And keep in mind, uh, for, for a guy who was crying and lying about being small for 160 while he was ducking Golovkin while still in his prime, beside that, he was the first one who started, uh, who, start, who, who, who had a fight uh, about 160. Golovkin had to wait up till two fights ago to, to have uh, to have his first fight. Sorry for the background noise. Uh, Golovkin had to, to wait for, for the Steve Rolls fight to fight at a uh, catch weight of 164. So it, it, it just tells you who's the bigger guy in the ring. So Canelo was clearly a weight bully. Now in this at this weight class, I would say he he looks pretty much lean for this weight class. I think he he stays in the in the gym all the time. He's active. He's serious. He's disciplined. Plus he doesn't rehydrate enormously. But it's like look, it's the same. Same thing with, uh, let's take, for example, a guy who I do like a lot, a lot, who's probably my, well, not number one anymore, but number two, at least, pound for pound. Now, Inoue, everybody was praising him for, for beating Narvaez. Now, Narvaez, he was, he was such a nice fighter, yeah, but if you're destined to be, supposed to be, a great prospect, a great fighter, oh, and you're that bigger than Narvaez. In my opinion, yeah, he, I guess you should you should get some some kind of credit for it. But I'm not gonna be act, acting as if 
as if I'm amazed by by that victory because he's way bigger than Narvaez and many other fighters. Same thing. Same thing that happened at one point of Pacquiao's career. Okay, starting his professional career, Pacquiao he was um, supposedly he even had to to. The pockets in uh, uh, put the rocks in his pockets in order to make the weight the minimum weight or whatever the, the weight he was fighting at he was 15 years old just started growing so yeah at the beginning he was small but then i don't know the exact weight class but there came a point where well he he, he first uh, his first uh, stoppage loss because of being drained, things like that. And then he moved up two weight classes, etc. Stabilized his um, his weight. So, so see, and after that, he moved up all the way to to one forty seven, which is way about his uh, natural weight class. So Pacquiao started at light um, I mean at flyweight but I wouldn't say he's a natural flyweight at the same time I would not say that he's a natural welterweight I would say that Pacquiao is a natural 130 135 pounder for um, you know in today's boxing now that we have uh, the waitings one day before the fight for today's standards but yeah enough of of canelo and the whole thing let's go quickly to the other fights that took place elvin soto and Takayama. Sorry. <clears throat> to me, this, this was a very, very exciting fight. Now I was not really scoring it. And it could be kind of difficult to score it. It depends. It really depends on, on what you like. Anyways, Elvin Soto, I was about to say a talented young uh, light flyweight, but not so young being that he's 28 years old. And by light flyweight standards, he's uh, a pretty experienced fighter, fighting a living legend, Katsunari Takayama. Now, the problem with this fight is that Katsunari Takayama is a, is a much smaller fighter, and man, then corruption could, if he was here, he he would give us great, fantastic details on both fighters and especially Takayama, I'm sure, uh, or someone, even someone like uh, Reversely, he knows he's Japan light, lightweight shit. Takayama, he was back in the day, he was a fantastic fighter, fantastic boxer. I'm not very aware of his career 
only watched a few of his fights and the way I I came across him is his uh, his fight against uh, Roman Gonzalez back in the day. Now I would say that stylistically, Takayama gave hell to Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez who back in the day. I mean, yeah, he was still extremely good, very good fighter technically, but was also crude and raw. And uh, he boxed that fight fantastically. I mean, Katsunari Takayama never had a defense. He he gets hit a lot. It was the case against Chocolatito Gonzalez. It was the case the last night against Elvin Soto. But man, that guy had a serious chin. Crazy Iron Chin. Fantastic. And plus, great hand speed, great foot speed. I mean, the way he's boxing in and out, he's lightning fast combos and uh, extremely good punching placements, really beautiful combos up and down. <clears throat> Used to be a fantastic fighter back in the day and uh, he's, uh, he's a multiple times champion, I think that. I heard uh, the design commentary team saying that uh, he was I'm not sure if if it's true. The first undisputed four belts champion from Japan. Uh, the problem with this fight, aside from, uh, of course, fighting at uh, light flyweight, which which is not his uh, his weight class. He's too small for it. Uh, El Sultan Soto was evidently bigger than him in the ring, but also coming after a three-year, three-year-long retirement. This was not the first time that he retired, but now he's 37 years old. I mean, he had a fight in December of 2020. Uh, it was not a, some serious opponent i think not sure can't remember but i think it was just uh, just a small warm-up fight so yeah he had a fight before this one but after a three-year-long layoff and man this was a very very good fight I suggest to anybody who missed it to to go and watch it now elvin soda to me his skill set is not amazing. He, in fact, he he kind of reminds me. His his style reminds me a lot of uh, Canelo Alvarez. I would say that he's uh, he's a more aggressive version of Canelo Alvarez. Um, he's aggressive. He throws more punches, even in a pound for pound sense. I would say he's uh, he may be quicker than Alvarez in a pound for pound sense. I'm not sure, but he's he's damn quick with uh, with his counters. But yeah, he's more aggressive and uh, he 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 puts up more punches together than Canelo does. But style-wise, when you slow down his film, he's pretty similar to Canelo Alvarez. But I would also say that uh, he also has some similar limitations. As Canelo does the same limitations that Canelo does, or similar, perhaps. Uh, now, from the from the first uh, from the first round, he was catching Takayama with 
with some humongous punches, humongous overhand right counters, I mean, uh, or um, well-timed overhand rights. Uh, Takayama, even in this fight, he ate some incredible bumps and he, he still went on. Man, at 37 years old, as a flyweight, light flyweight, and career minimum weight, that shit is incredible. Uh, by the way, uh, big up to Vader D. Uh, he's saying, yo, I'm so happy to hear you talking of this fight. It was insane how Takayama stayed in there taking all these big shots from the much bigger man. To me, it was the most entertaining entertaining fight of the night. Absolutely. I share your opinion 100%, Vader D. Big up, bro. And yeah, Vader D, another guy that really, really knows his shit. And uh, I'm so glad to for for Vader D to to be here among us and to to follow the podcast. Oh, let me light up a cigarette. Uh, by the way, guys, please uh, drop the kid a like a like button. It would be appreciated. <laughs> no, but yeah, to, to go back to, to this fight in between Soto and Takayama. Man, from the first round, from the opening bell, Soto was <laughs> catching him with some huge Orient bombs, well-timed bombs. And then the left hook also. Now, the third and the fourth round, Takayama started, uh, you know, landing more shots. Uh, I mean, he's... His work rate was always insane, I would say, from Takayama, at least from the fights that I was able to see. A very, very high work rate. Now, the thing is, he was in some of the rounds, he was clearly outlanding Soto, clearly outlanding him, outboxing him, but still eating huge bumps from him, like Vader D is saying in the chat room. But uh, the problem is already the punches that he took in the first and the second round, I, I would say that they took out some of his power that the punches that he was landing um, were often very soft, you know. But man, uh, Takayama, he was still... Look, he was still... Um, landing some extremely beautiful combinations going up and down or starting to with the body shots he was very good at setting up the liver shot also he had many moments in this fight against soto where uh, he he displayed a beautiful combination punching you know but didn't have enough of hit of it on it on them on those combos First of all, he was never a huge puncher. He was always a pure boxer, which of it, uh, which a huge uh, with a huge work rate. But the thing is, he was staying there at mid range for for way too long. Um, Elvin Soto was able to catch him uh, from the outside sometimes. 
but mostly at mid-range and he he spent takayama spent a lot of unnecessary time at mid-range trading with soda with 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 a much bigger puncher uh and eating his bombs like candies for example at the end of was it i think it was the very end of the fourth round he's on the ropes and he hits a clean bomb of a left hook on the ropes uh, landing right on his chin <laughs> he takes it and uh, later in the fight he was uh, he was showboarding uh, but before going back to the fight, Nordic Warrior saying pound the like button, like word pounded Kavalev's ball sack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or hug it, like, like word used to hug. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say by. By the sixth, seventh round, Takayama figured out that that Sodo has that one range at which he's throwing punches, throwing his combos, that where he's more the most effective at, and just like Canelo, it's the mid range, and he started pushing him back and uh, smothering him, closing the distance in between them. Uh, right after throwing his combos he would step in to shoulder to shoulder distance and he was clearly frustrating Soto. so yeah he, he would throw his uh, his combos step in to the inside and then the next few times he would uh, throw his combos and get out of range and he was cl clearly uh, clearly how do you think He was clearly frustrating uh, Elvin Soto, who was still landing some huge bombs. He never stopped landing huge bombs, but but in some rounds, uh, a few rounds, I would say, Takayama outboxed the shit out of him, but still an extremely good fight. Uh, both of both of them did extremely well. Soto offensively with his counters and extremely well-timed overhand rights and uh, Takayama with, with his speed his uh, his combos and balls man the balls on that guy even Andrew Ward could could spend a whole career hitting on Takayama's balls and uh, he won't be able to drop him. <laughs> yeah, but the stoppage, the stoppage was a complete nonsense. And I would say that, man, these, these commissions are crazy. I mean, okay, it was Ref who stopped the fight. It was not, uh, maybe not directly a part of the commission, but you can see with many people involved with fights, the, just like Thunder Unboxing explained it, they're getting getting work to work there thanks to their connections, etc. While they don't know shit about boxing, I mean, yeah, 
Soda was definitely beating up, um, beating up Takayama, but man, he 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 was able to continue. I mean, and if anything, he should be allowed to go go out on his shield. So the same thing uh, happened to um, in the fight uh, in Uzbekistan with uh, Murejun Akhmedaliev. Although Takayama. Unlike the other guy, is uh, is a definite legend, and he should be allowed to, to to continue. Plus, it was I would say near the end of the round, completely unnecessary stoppage, and um, yeah, I would say I would add that the reason that Takayama is getting hit so much, not only that he was staying at mid range for too much. <clears throat> Excuse me, but also because um, when he's throwing his combos, he doesn't care about the defense, you know, so he never had a good defense. But <laughs> one of the greatest chance, man. But the funny thing when that bullshit stoppage happened, <laughs> Takama at first was protesting, but then he, he went out to the middle of the ring and started showboarding, shadowboxing, and uh, I, mean, I mean, he he got a lot of well-deserved respect from uh, from the Mexican and the American American boxing fans. So big up to both of these guys, Soro Takayama. Soro cannot wait to to see his next fight. Uh, by the way. By the way, this is one topic that corruption wanted wanted us to, to discuss. Uh, the 108 light flyweight division and the zone. So, at one hand, it's nice that uh, the zone uh, got all these light flyweights, extremely talented guys, an extremely underrated weight class one of the best in the world, one of the most exciting divisions in the world. So it's nice to, to showcase them and probably even maybe get them paid more than usual. I don't know I don't know how much they're getting paid and if they're getting paid any more than they already got paid before the zone contracts or whatever. Plus, big up to, to Canelo's team, to the Canelo's coaches for, um, you know, making these connections with uh, Pio Gucci and uh, I don't know if they, they have any connection with Elvin Soto. But yeah, they, they, they brought up a couple of high-class light flyweights. But the problem is it looks like um, the zone is clearly freezing out uh, Jesse Pam Rodriguez, who's uh, perhaps probably the, I mean, I haven't done serious film studies on, on the other flyweights except for uh, Bam Rodriguez and uh, for Hiroto Kyoguchi. I mean, I even watched, uh, studied Kenshiro for a bit, but, Jesse Rodriguez, he's probably the most talented out of them all. And uh, at the beginning, 
I thought, and I think that corruption thought as well, that <clears throat> Robert Garcia was just uh, putting his name there, trying to to connect his name to to put Jesse Bam Rodriguez's name next to Julio Cesar Martinez and the other flyweights and light flyweights. But no, man, they're consistent with trying to get him into some serious fights uh, to get him a title shot. They've been consistent. And uh, it looks like the zone is uh, freezing him out, which is a damn shame. I mean, a lot, a lot of fantastic fights in between him Elvin Soto, Kyoguchi, Kenshiro Teraji, and the others could be made. But Robert Garcia was offering a fight to Elvin Soto. I think, if I'm not wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wanted to put uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez against Elvin Soto. He even wanted to put him there against uh, a flyweight, Julio Cesar Martinez when they needed an opponent but nothing happened uh i don't know why don't they try to 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 make a fight in between kyoguchi and uh, rodriguez neither mm, hopefully they there make something in between soda and kyoguchi it would be lovely to see anyways yeah keep an eye on on those light flyweights a very underrated division that I learned about thanks to corruption in boxing. Um, yeah, so it leaves us with two more fights. Uh, I'm gonna go through them really quickly. So, Suleiman Sissoko faced, uh, I think it's a, it's a British guy, Kieran Conway, uh, super welterweight division, light middleweight. Now Sissoko, another guy that, that I found out thanks to corruption in boxing uh, recently. Yeah, he's from, or he, he originated from Senegal, but living in France, Paris, yeah, so he's from my city, and uh, really nice to, to, to see him doing the good things in the ring, now he's still, uh, still a prospect, I would say he's not athletical at all, he doesn't have any real quickness, any flashiness, but a very, very, a very well-schooled fighter, sticking to, to basics, very good jab right hand one twos he showcased an excellent jab upstairs but also downstairs the jab to the body is is amazing in my opinion well timed now his opponent i he clearly made the conway gun shy with those jabs and he was extremely patient so yeah he he's not entertaining to watch but a high-quality fighter, very talented, and Corruption was telling me that uh, he he's very rusty, 
because he had a long uh, layoff. And in fact, yes, the, the commentary team was telling us about his last five fights being cancelled, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, so he boxed in 2019, so he and he haven't fought uh, up till that fight he had on uh, Chocolatito Estrada undercard. And then he came back to fight Karen Conway. Yeah, fight itself, it was not anything really, really entertaining, if not for uh, for Suleiman Sissoko's talent. And uh, I mean, his discipline, a very, I would not say basic fighter, but he, he, he was very disciplined and uh, sticking to basics. Um, good range control, very disciplined when it comes to, to range control. Hold on. And uh, it was a 10-rounder for, for nine rounds. It was a clear shutout. Good, good shutout, in my opinion. Clear shutout, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, by the way, big up to, to Alone in the chat room. And he's confirming what I'm saying. He says Sisoko had good lateral movement. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very good footwork. By the way, I don't know what's up with uh, with the French guys, but uh, it seems that they have some kind of connection with um, what's uh, what's Andre Ward's trainer with Hunter, because there is uh, there is quite a few French uh, French fighters who went. To, to the US and all of them chose to to train with Virgil Hunter. So it's it's interesting. Just uh, just an interesting remark. But yeah, and, uh, he can do, Sisoko can do many good things with that jab. Of course, to set up his, uh, his straight right, to control the range at which he's excellent but also to, to step in to short range, to come to the inside very quickly. He, he's very subtle, throws that jab and right behind the jab, he, he comes in so well to short, short range, throws a jab stepping in, um, he's ducking, coming in to short range. From there, once on the inside, he can throw a right uppercut and then get out of range. Now, like, like Alone was telling in the chat room, really nice lateral movement as well. Uh, but also, I've seen him doing, I mean, I'm not here to, to criticize him as if I'm, uh, I'm Ange not Angelo Dandy, he, he was overrated, but uh, Ray Arcel, like I'm some shit, but... He was a couple of times I've seen him. I've seen him squaring up a couple of times and even uh, turning southpaw when uh, when changing the direction of his lateral movement, and that's how he he got cut with with some jabs and even uh, the right hand a couple of times I think. 
so yeah sometimes I, I mean it's it's pretty natural normal to to kind of square up your feet in order to move laterally but but the way he was doing he, he was not only squaring up but he was also switching switching stances but other than that very very disciplined fighter and uh, he may not be the most exciting to watch but he shakes off the ring rust. He can only get better when he gets more active. And he can do a lot of great things in the future. Won't, won't probably be the most exciting fighter in the world, but maybe a nightmare for a lot of world champions. And uh, I'm not saying saying it just because he's, he's from my city. But... Uh, he he's that good but at the very beginning of the last round the 10th round um, Conway caught him with an uppercut because he started at the beginning of the round he started attacking Sissoko and uh, Sissoko went behind the high guard and uh, while Sissoko was covering uh, the guy Kieran Conway started hitting him with left and right hook to the body and then doubled up on that lead left uppercut and he caught him right in the eye and uh, he dropped Sissoko and being that I was not watching the fight live but I was watching it uh, today when I woke up I was uh... <laughs> I was shocked I was like, oh, fuck, what's happening? <laughs> and I even thought that uh, that's it. He, he's going to quit because he was in, in some real pain, uh, Suleiman Sissoko. But, but he's a little bit account stood up. And um, yeah, except for, uh, for that left uppercut that he got hot, uh, cut with. Very, very nice, respectable performance nothing out of this world nothing flashy and it his performance level let's say that it was not fantastic nothing unbelievable but good and hopefully he he will get better when when he shakes off the ring rust after many months of inactivity and uh the last fight I'm going to talk about, Kishon Davis against uh, Jose Antonio Mesa. So it was it was the third professional fight for Kishon Davis. And man, I'm telling you, <clears throat> he's a serious talent. Sorry, uh, guys, just give me 10 seconds. I'm going to to drink some water. I'm coming right back. Okay, I'm back. <coughs> Thank you for waiting. 
Yeah, man, it was it was unbelievable to see a fighter being so mature in his third pro fight. Um, I've seen Kishon boxing before, but it was just recently his second fight, and I was not really watching it. I just take a look, watch maybe a round of his fight on the undercard of. Um, Jermal Hearing and Carl Frampton in Dubai. And uh, in that fight on that undercard of Hearing uh, Frampton, I was able to see that he's very disciplined with it, when it comes to, to his range control. And uh, with his patience, it was the same thing against Jose Antonio Mesa. I mean, he was pissing him up. He was showcasing an excellent timing, uh, some very good counter punches, uh, quick hands. He was not really throwing some fluid combos, but he was he was looking to to, to make uh, he was rather looking to make Mesa react and counter him. And uh, I saw him landing some 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 wonderful counter punches. Notably, the, the first one was, uh, occurred in the very first round. He threw a jab to, to provoke Mesa into throwing a jab of his own and then came up with an overhand right over the top and that nearly dropped Mesa. Um, then uh, slipping in on the inside of the jab and uh, countering with the lead left hook. That was beautiful as well. So yeah, these guys, um, I can I can say Kishon Davis is serious talent, and I cannot wait to to, to see him progress. Plus, it's nice that he's been uh, in front of our eyes since the very beginning of his pro career. So that way, we are we are going to be able to follow his whole development. Now he's been. Uh, a highly touted amateur fighter that, that was supposed to to go to to the Olympics in Tokyo 2020, but with everything that happened, he chose to being that Olympics were pushed back for for the summer of this year. He chose to to turn pro, and uh, I can tell you, man. For example, if I compare him with uh, Jerome Nannis, which I do like a lot, and he surprised me actually with uh, with the progress he's making, but I also have some kind of some criticism for Jerome Nannis. But Jerome Nannis is 30, 30 something uh, fights in, right? Or 26, 27 pro fights. And uh, I still have, uh, I'm still seeing some some mistakes that uh, that he's making, that Jaron is making. Now, Kishun Davis, who, who's a current uh, super lightweight, I think, which means uh, light welterweight, he looks so mature that I haven't seen now. I'll give I'll give it to you. I wasn't really analyzing this fight closely, not studying it. But I didn't. I think I haven't seen uh, many mistakes from him. So 
but they saw the physical talent, so so the intelligence in the ring, so some quickness, physical talent, reflexes. Now I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, he was not fighting a good level opponent, neither. So it's much easier to to find uh, to find what a fighter is doing wrong. When, when his opponent shows it to you. Now, Kishon Davis didn't have an opponent who, who would show us if Kishon Davis is doing anything wrong. But, but anyway, still beside that, I would not say amazing performance, but yeah, if you take into an into account that it was his third pro fight you can say it was amazing performance if you get what i'm saying a very very mature performance from kishon davis so cannot wait to to hear more from uh see more from him sorry now that would be all when it comes to to the last uh last night card now let's go to to the fight schedule. By the way, before reading what's what's next, alone in the chat room, seeing his level of opponent hasn't been bad, relatively speaking, in my opinion, compared to a lot of prospects. Yeah, uh, uh, that that one as well, alone. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, his opponent, at least uh, Mesa, I wouldn't say he he was some bum. I mean, he, he was a very limited, tough fighter, trying to do his best. Uh, that was clearly not on his level. So, yeah, yeah, but, but he wasn't terrible, neither. Okay, so this week we had Canelo versus Saunders. The next week, Luis Neri versus Brandon Figueroa. That's on uh, on Showtime. And then uh, on Eddie Hearn's card in Manchester, UK. Okay, uh, Terry Harper, uh, Michoy, uh, I don't care about it. Boatsy versus uh, an opponent to be announced. Maybe Gamalia Fai versus Jason Cunningham. Maybe I would I would be curious to see it. But now, I mean, yeah, if I I may try to to, to catch that one. Gamalia Fai, he's uh, he's that talented uh, brother of Khalidia Fai, right? So one of his fights uh, recently, he's a, he's a very good fighter from what I've seen. But yeah, I, I will be looking to to catch Luis Neri versus Brandon Figueroa. Not that I'm especially especially interested in that fight, but I do think that it's going to be a good fight, fan friendly fight. 
no doubt about it. But yeah, the days of me staying up for fights are over. Except the rare exceptions. <laughs> like, like the one that, that is coming probably in two weeks, Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor. Maybe I would stay for that one. But yeah, only only high-level fights. Other than that, I'm not staying up anymore. Yeah, so the next week, Luis Neri, Brandon Figueroa, and uh, Gamalia Fai versus Jason Cunningham. Okay, guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you could smash the like button and uh, please share the podcast, share the link. Thank you for sticking here with me, for listening to me. Have a great night. Peace.